with this sitting, we want to begin what for many of you is familiar, which is the formal work with the metta practice, the loving-kindness practice, which, as we've mentioned a few times, works with the silent repetition of phrases that tend both to express our intention or our inclination towards kindness, towards a kind heart, and also tend to evoke that quality itself. The practice of loving-kindness that we have comes from about 1,500 years ago from the way that loving-kindness practice was systematized at a certain point in its evolution. Uh, This corresponds quite a bit to the core text for loving-kindness, the Metta Sutta, which you have on the other side of your uh, sheet from the, from the listing of the phrases. But we actually don't know exactly the technique that the Buddha might have taught. And so the way we work with the, with the instructions for Metta is to give these instructions that we've more or less have from the last 1,500 years. I think partly that lack of full knowledge of how it was originally taught gives us sometimes a certain degree of flexibility. And we'll see, you know, as I give these instructions, that what we're looking for are phrases that we can say silently to ourselves that tend, um, often in a very personal way, to evoke that quality of kindness. Traditionally, there were four phrases given which express, we might say, different nuances of wishing well for oneself and for others. And those four nuances are ones that often many of us continue with our phrases. Those are wishing for safety or relative safety, wishing for happiness, wishing for health or as much health as possible, and wishing for what in the text is called ease of well-being. Like the last phrase, the last group of phrases, may you live with ease, may you take care of yourself happily. Those are the traditional phrases and we may, if we wish, and some of us already have phrases that we've developed that work well for us. We might want to use some of, especially if we're new, I would recommend using some of the traditional phrases or all of them. We might also have a phrase like, may I accept myself as I am, or may I be wise, may I be free. The phrases that I use, which have gone through some evolution, are may I rest in the awakened heart, and these are not copyrighted. (laughs) 
You can take these if you wish. May I rest in the awakened heart. May I be safe and free from harm. May my body be healthy and support my practice. And may I be held by love. And so you see, I have two of the more traditional ones there and two that I've found particularly uh, call me. And we, we all have had, at times, different phrases. I think I started with very uh, traditional ones and I found others uh, evocative. A word also about the language. We are, we have on here uh, quite a few variants. So uh, Sylvia really finds particularly evocative, and you may as well, the word feel. May I feel safe. May I um, feel healthy or as healthy as possible. And so that's some, some people, it resonates, may I be. Some, it resonates, may I feel. And so that's something to look in, especially if you're newer, to look into for yourself. Also, it doesn't have to be quite so complicated as saying, may I? We've learned from experience that for some people, saying the words may I has uh, what um, brings back memories of Catholic parochial school <laughs> for some people. And so that may or may not be helpful. <laughs> okay. So some people just like to say the one word, safe, or held by love, or whatever. And that tends, we're looking for something that tends to evoke some, some uh, quality, the quality of the metta, or the quality of, of warmth, as after we say the phrase. And so you can really see what works for you. In a way, the phrases are means to an end. The intention is to uh, really access that quality of wishing well, of warmth, of kindness towards, towards self and other. And so there's room for having phrases that, that uh, may be very personal and may work, work for you. Generally speaking, it's helpful, particularly in a retreat context, to have something like four phrases. We find that the different nuances are helpful. Um, and it's also helpful to have a phrase which is general enough so that you might use it for all of the, what we call the categories or the muses, the as you'll see in, on the handout, we traditionally would start with developing metta for self, then we would move to the one we call benefactor, who is a, <coughs> a being that we find uh, has an almost entirely positive force in our lives, a force for good. It doesn't have to be a human being, could be a pet, uh, generally, it's someone who is alive, a being who is alive. And then the dear friend is more of a peer. The benefactor might be an elderly relative, a mentor, a teacher. Um, and the dear friend would typically be someone who is more of a peer, but someone towards whom we have almost entirely positive feelings. 
Same with the benefactor. We, we often say these are not complex relationships, but relationships which are almost entirely connected with feeling kind or feeling warm towards someone. Or when we bring that being to mind, something lights up. And so we may have several uh, beings who are benefactors or friends. We choose one in those categories. And the reason I'm mentioning those, uh, the three, first three categories, is that in the tradition, metta practice started with metta to self. And I think that was taken as unproblematic. In the contemporary world, there's almost endemic um, self-judgment and even at times self-hatred. And we have learned that we cannot take for granted that metta for self will just flow. And so uh, we're inviting you, especially if you're newer, to work with metta to self if there's some kind of strong block. And you may know if there is such a block then it would be appropriate to start with metta for the benefactor or the friend. In other words, we start where the metta is most accessible. Historically, it was thought that metta for self is most accessible. In our contemporary world, that is not always the case. And so uh, the invitation here is to start with self if there's a very, very strong block, and there could be for different reasons, then start with benefactor or friend, and, it might, and you might well stay there for, for some time. One or two more things to say. Because we're working with phrases, it can be sometimes that the phrases uh, feel a little dry, and it can be helpful to have some uh, ways of bringing uh, kind of emotion and embodiment into the practice. And one way of doing that is to have, if you're more visually minded, have an image of self maybe at your most radiant <laughs> and or of another, the other being, and have that phrase, have that uh, image, and then say the phrase, and then have some kind of resonance or pause where we just let whatever happens happen after we say the phrase. Could be two or three seconds. Another way of uh, connecting more emotionally with the being, especially if we're more somatically oriented, is to have that lived sense of what you feel like maybe when the person or the being is, in, is nearby or you bring to mind that person. So for some of us, that would be a good supplement. Another aid for many of us is to keep the hand on the heart as we practice, which helps there be more of a sense of the body, or sometimes people keep their awareness in their heart area. Those are all optional techniques, but they can be helpful. So hopefully that's not too much, um, um, especially for people who are newer. Remembering, maybe the last thing I'll say, remembering that this practice is the continual inclination of our awareness and of our being towards the kind heart, towards warmth. 
And it's really very much an intention practice. We are intending through our phrases to go in that direction. Once we have expressed the phrase, in a sense, we let it be what it is. And sometimes we will say the phrase and there will be a sense of warmth. Sometimes there will be nothing. Sometimes there will be something like irritation (laughs) or something else. And that is all okay. We really let it be what it is. The, so in that sense, I sometimes say it's an intention practice, not a production practice. We're not here saying, I, Donald, will produce love. <laughs> but rather, we're inclining, we're intending through the phrases, and then we let it be. There's a line from T.S. Eliot, ours is in the trying, the rest is not our business. And that's really the, the spirit of this. We're inclining through the use of the phrases, and then we let it be as it is. So we would, you know, one way to do it, we would maybe, if you work with image, have an image of, let's say, self. I say the phrase, the first phrase. I let there be a pause. Have an image, say the second phrase. Let there be a pause. Third phrase in a similar way. Fourth phrase, back to the first phrase. All repeated uh, silently. Again. Uh, familiar for many of us, but for some of us, this is newer. Okay, so we'll have a, a period of uh, practice now, and I think I'll leave just a little bit of time if there are any uh, questions right at the end. So we'll have a, a time for uh, practice, and the idea is to actually uh, stay just with the one category. Stay just with stay just with self if you're starting there, or stay just with the benefactor, her friend, if you're starting there. Okay? The idea is to go start where it's easiest. <laughs>